Hello, hello. You are listening to Dot Mill Docs, the Military Health Systems official podcast. This is episode 101. It's Tuesday, March 9th, 2010, and I am Russell Carlson. It is Brain Injury Awareness Month here in the Military Health System. Visit health.mil slash brain injury for more information, and please visit health.mil throughout the month for articles, videos, and more podcasts on the topic of brain injury. Our guest today is Air Force Colonel Michael S. Jaffe, MD. He is the National Director for the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, a.k.a. DIVBIC. DIVBIC is a component of the Defense Centers of Excellence for Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury. Colonel Jaffe is on the line today to talk about a new policy for the management of concussion in theater, as well as give us an update into DOD TBI research and programs. Colonel Jaffe, welcome to Dot Mill Docs. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Sure. Well, if you could start just by talking about who you are and what you do. Uh, certainly. Uh, my name is Colonel Michael Jaffe. Uh, currently, I have the privilege and honor of serving as the National Director of the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, which uh, is the serves as a, the primary operational TBI component of the Defense Centers of Excellence. This is a congressionally mandated program with the for congressional missions for clinical care for TBI, uh, TBI clinical research, and TBI education. We span through 18 different sites uh, around the world, representing every branch of service as well as the VA. And we have uh, more than 225 personnel as part of our district family, representing more than 20 different clinical disciplines, uh, all trying to bring to bear the uh, best evidence there is from a variety of disciplines to assure the optimal care for our service members, families, and veterans with traumatic brain injury. We've written on health.mil, and, and we've done previous podcast programs where we talk about concussion and how concussion is a type of TBI, mild traumatic brain injury. That's right, right? Uh, that's correct. Concussion is the more common term that we use for mild traumatic brain injury. Uh, a, a lot of ways that we have the similar analogy is that doctors might refer to a mitocardial infarction, but when we talk to the lay public, we use the word heart attack. Mm-hmm. So similarly, when we're talking to the uh, technical community, we might use the term mild traumatic brain injury, but the, for the general population, that's known as a concussion. Sure. And so I understand that there's a new proposed policy for the in-theater management of concussion. Can you talk about that? Uh, there is. We're really taking the next iteration uh, for in-theater management, which is actually a very exciting time. Uh, with what the new guidelines propose, and basically the main paradigm shift is really what we're talking about is taking a and transitioning a system which is based on a voluntary um, symptom-based approach and transforming that to a mandatory incident-based approach such that we're defining a certain set of uh, criteria or incidents and that any of our service members are involved in that incident just based on its association uh, with the higher risk of having sustained a concussion, uh, those individuals will be identified as requiring to undergo a, a screening and evaluation to uh, help us more rapidly identify if, if indeed they have had a concussion. And if so, that will allow us to assure uh, more rapid and appropriate treatments to be done uh, to manage that. And so that screening process happens in theater? That is correct. And so we're really sort of expanding the net from the traditional medical screening, and we're now partnering and coordinating with the line commanders who are helping to identify if there if an incident that their unit or the members under their command were involved in uh, meets this mandatory.
regulatory incident-based requirement, then they will identify that and assure that the uh, members under their command will get the appropriate medical screening from the medics and medical personnel assigned to that unit. Can you talk about how the recommendations for this policy developed? It really developed uh, in, through uh, several different avenues, uh, one of which uh, was some in-theater assessments. The most uh, well-known of that is a team known as the Gray Team. This is a team that was convened by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, represented a uh, tri-service multi-agency team who actually uh, went to both Iraq and Afghanistan and uh, literally uh, interfaced quite a quite a lot with the medical providers, with the line commanders, with the patients, and with the units to understand what was working and what wasn't working, helped to identify uh, those units whom were most at risk and the types of interventions they were doing, and uh, seeing the uh, innovations that the people in theater were able to bring to bear and looking at the uh, results of that, uh, use that to come back and make some recommendations to determine that this type of uh, system could benefit system-wide. With the assistance of the uh, leadership from the Defense Centers of Excellence, a consensus conference uh, was convened, which consisted not only of the medical subject matter experts from every branch of service in the VA, but also consisted with a lot of the uh, scientific and technical experts who were involved in BLAST to include agencies uh, such as TRIEDO, the Joint IED, the Feed Organization, and uh, the Med Army's Medical Research and Material Command BLAST Executive Agency. Uh, to evaluate the data to kind of help inform what would be the best criteria. But the most important partner in all of this was actually the line commanders. And in our repeated uh, discussions and interfacing um, with the, uh, the leaders of the Army and the Marines, uh, they really had a strong concern wanting to assure the safety of their troops and really were strong supporters of transitioning from the uh, voluntary symptom-based approach to this mandatory incident-based approach uh, really um, bringing to bear the, the true and innovative uh, partnership we have with the line in helping to uh, system develop the system, which really involves both uh, with the line uh, commanders identifying whether a certain criteria has been met and then making use of the refined medical screening and practice guidelines which we have in place uh, to assure optimal care. And, and so the great hope is that we're going to be able to get these people who need help to treatment quicker because you'll be possibly able to recognize and then diagnose TBI or concussions quicker. That's exactly right. So there's kind of two uh, really uh, broad positive outcomes from this, one of which is safety. It really allows us to identify and recognize those individuals who may have had a concussion uh, more quickly and allows us to uh, assure that they have more fully recovered until they are exposed to a subsequent injury. We want to make sure that, uh, that people are fully recovered and have the are back at their baseline and reset to a point where they are able to uh, be back to full duty. And the other aspect, just as you mentioned, is if we identify individuals earlier, it gives us a chance to uh, start managing uh, treatments that might be needed earlier, which we believe with the earlier intervention leads to enhanced outcomes with less uh, complications down the line. We are going to take a quick break for the Dot Mill Docs Health Beat, news and information from the military health system. When we come back, we'll have more with Colonel Jaffe on the subject of brain injury. Dot Mill Docs Health Beat. Officials are taking action to reverse years of decline in the percentage of people with disabilities in the federal workforce. Speakers said at a March 5 training session held to prepare for a federal hiring event for people and veterans with disabilities. 
percentage of people with severe disabilities employed by the federal government has fallen steadily in recent years. Many more people with disabilities are willing and able to make important contributions working for the federal government. People with disabilities can submit resumes for an upcoming April 26th hiring event by going to www.usajobs.gov and clicking on Special Hiring Events. An estimated 5,000 to 10,000 people with disabilities are expected to submit resumes, and approximately 500 people with disabilities will be selected to come to the hiring event in Washington, D.C. for job interviews for positions in 43 federal agencies. During the recent Joint Services Women's History Month observance on Capitol Hill, a Senate resolution to recognize the accomplishments of women in the military was presented and then accepted by a female wounded warrior. Sergeant First Class Juanita Wilson, who lost her left arm in 2004, accepted the resolution on behalf of each and every woman that served in the U.S. military. The resolution, introduced by Senator Barbara Boxer of California, was given in Wilson's honor. Boxer's office said that the senator introduced the resolution because she wanted to highlight the accomplishments, contributions, and sacrifices of women like Wilson in the military. And finally, the recipient of the first hand transplant performed in a Defense Department facility has said she hopes her surgery provides hope for service members wounded in combat. Retired Air Force Master Sergeant Janet McWilliams is the 10th person and the first woman in the United States to receive a hand transplant. A team of military and civilian doctors performed the surgery on February 17th at Wilford Hall Medical Center. All these stories and more are available at health.mil. Log on to stay up to date. This has been your Docs Health Beat for the Military Health System. I'm Elizabeth McCleary-Kale-Lockwood. Welcome back to Docs. Today, Colonel Michael Jaffe of DivBic is talking with us about TBI. Let's change gears and talk about DOD research into TBI. What, what has happened in the last year or so? That has been such a, uh, a wealth and variety of research initiatives that are going on through many different sectors of the DOD. Uh, I can comment on a few of them. Sure. Looking at um, some of the advances uh, with BLAST and understanding BLAST, uh, partnerships with the Joint IED Defeat Organization, DIPIC, and MIT's Institute of Soldier Nanotechnology really helped to develop one of the most uh, advanced computer uh, simulation models for BLAST interfacing on the brain, which has led us to better understand uh, what's happening when BLAST waves uh, do get to the brain. Uh, the folks at DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Administration, uh, through their uh, a lot of initiatives through their PREVENT program, which have been looking at the uh, study of BLAST, really opened up new windows when their evidence uh, showed the role of inflammation in the brain uh, for BLAST-exposed uh, subjects, which is a whole new avenue. It opens up some potential uh, modalities for treatment acutely that uh, we weren't as aware of before, so I find that to be a very significant finding. Uh, helping to identify diagnostically, taking a look at some of the traditional diagnostic tools that we have. There was some very uh, compelling research that was done with a form of MRI and advanced neuroimaging known as diffusion tensor imaging, or DTI. And what this research found was that there was actually a difference in patterns between our service members that had blast as a component of their injury compared to the more traditional impact injuries that you might see from athletics or from a motor vehicle accident. So taking that knowledge, it really um, helped reaffirm the potential role of inflammation that we talked about with DARPA, but also helps advance uh, our understanding of potential radiological markers that can better inform our treatment. Sure. And then looking at uh, actual treatment itself, we were able to, through our partnership with the VA, uh, do a multi-center trial looking at the role of cognitive rehabilitation for uh, those veterans that had um, significant cognitive uh, deficits following their injury. 
And this was actually the largest trial ever done in a prospective randomized control trial looking at this modality and did show that for our individuals who had sustained a moderate to severe injury, they were able to have a more rapid recovery of their symptoms if if a form of cognitive rehabilitation was given. So it really has been uh, an exciting uh, going time, and a lot of the research has not only um, provided us with better evidence on how to treat the patients now, but has actually posed some intriguing questions that can help open up new windows of treatment uh, for the near future. And although DOD, I know that we partner with other organizations, external, like you mentioned, MIT, but I would imagine that DOD is leading the way in all this research into TBI. Is that correct? Uh, As you said, it's very important, uh, the partnerships. There's a lot of different academic institutions that are involved in these collaborations. The uh, DOD and and, uh, the good folks at the Army's Medical Research Material Command have been coordinating the Congressionally Directed Medical Research Program, which Mm -hmm. has, through a system of scientific and objective programmatic review, has directed millions of dollars to uh, academic entities uh, to better inform uh, research in TBI that that will best directly benefit our service members and veterans. Uh, Along the way, as you said, the DOD has had a very active role in that research. And in fact, there was a a report that came out earlier this year done by um, the Serviac, an external consultant to the DOD, that did identify that many of the tools that the DOD had devised uh, were being used as a standard in some forms of civilian research as well. And if you take a look at an evaluation report that was done about a year ago by the Institute of Medicine, they actually recommended that a couple of these instruments uh, be used across the board for the Department of Defense. And in some of these cases, especially with regards to our inpatient uh, screening, uh, I'm sorry, our in-theater screening tool, there's been some other of our international allies and NATO allies who have adapted that for the use for their military. So we have been uh, very fortunate to uh, have these collaborations, which are leading to enhanced care in the civilian community. We are benefiting from the advances in the civilian community and translating that quickly to improve the care for our service members and veterans, and also um, having the privilege to help advance the care around the world for our NATO allies as well. Um, so whether they're new or, or not, what kinds of educational and awareness programs are out there for service members and others um, to either reach for help or just to learn more about TBI? Uh, what I'm very proud of is the increasing amount of quality programs that have been developed and are now available. And this spans the, uh, the realm from multimedia. We have a couple of multimedia products which were launched over the past year, which actually won industry-leading awards uh, for their excellence, one of which was a partnership with public television, WETA, uh, to develop BrainLine.org which is a repository of information on traumatic brain injury. You said that's brainline.org? That's correct. Okay. And that is a repository of TBI education, which is really geared towards the community and with uh, all forms of traumatic brain injury. Uh, In addition, the uh, Air Force's Center of Excellence for Medical Multimedia developed an award-winning product known as the Journey Home, focused on patient education of TBI, uh, which also has a lot of excellent resources, including an interactive uh, map of the brain where individuals can learn different parts of the brain and what what uh, functions they might control. Wow. Uh, working with the, uh, for the past three years, we've been sponsoring a DOD TBI educational conference, which trains more than 800 providers from the DOD and the VA every year. And that has been getting uh, increasing attention this past year 
We had the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, as well as Lee and Bob Woodruff, who were serving as keynote speakers. And a lot of the uh, lectures from this uh, were being broadcast and, and podcast uh, throughout other aspects of DOD beyond the 850 providers. And this has become an annual event. And also of great uh, excitement to us is working with the services. The Army is uh, preparing to launch um, a multimedia product, uh, which has been cited for its quality. And that's been developed by the folks in the uh, Physical Rehabilitation and Reintegration Proponency at the Office of the Surgeon General with the Army, with modules that cover in theater care. It covers care when folks come back home. There's educational opportunities uh, for patients, for the families, as well as the caregivers in the line. And uh, one of the things that we're very excited about is the upcoming launch of a family caregiver program and guide for family caregivers for those who have moderate to severe traumatic brain injury. This was a congressionally mandated initiative, which really uh, brought together a panel of subject matter experts from across the country involving family members and patients and every branch of service in the VA through a White House-appointed panel as part of the Defense Health Board. And the DOD and the VA are currently working on um, ways to implement and distribute uh, this curriculum, which is being uh, really looked upon as being a state-of-the-art type of educational opportunity really targeted towards the family members. So we uh, really uh, understand the importance of education from all stakeholders, be it the patients, be it the family members, be it the uh, care providers, be it the line, and we try to uh, assure that we're targeting um, everyone with the most appropriate education. We have been fortunate that we have been able to utilize um, some of the best subject matter experts, not only from the country, but from around the world. Uh, to assure that we were utilizing the most optimal aspects of expectations management in our materials for communication. We've been fortunate to consult with provide, with um, some of the subject matter experts from Australia who were thought to be world leaders in this. And uh, in a external review done by the RAND Corporation, the actual educational products that the DOD has developed were actually uh, cited and praised for not only their clinical accuracy, but with their appropriateness of risk communication. So. There are, is a wealth of resources. We actually, um, through the Defense Veterans Brain Injury Center, have a network of educational coordinators positioned across the country who can help support a variety of educational initiatives for any of the MTF or VA hospitals or other facilities that might be in need of such services. So we are proud of the ever-evolving um, educational uh, quality products that continue to evolve uh, through coordinating with the services and the DOD. So I guess we would invite people to go to divbic.org to learn more? Uh, sure. A lot of this can be found at, uh, at dbbic.org. That's correct. Colonel Jaffe, thanks so much for coming on the program today. It has been my pleasure. It's uh, Over the past uh, year, there's been so much activity and energy and initiative uh, towards traumatic brain injury. Uh, I want to point out with the month of March being Brain Injury Awareness Month, there's been even more attention, and it's only through the partnerships and collaborations that we have been able to develop. Uh, through all the services and the VA that we've been able to uh, really make the advances that we've had. And the most, we never lose sight of the fact that this is all for um, our wounded warriors with traumatic brain injury. And uh, one of the things that has really been, I think, helping to propel the uh, momentum and success is that they have become stakeholders and uh, we very much value their input and feedback as we are targeting and tailoring not only our treatments, but our educational aspects and the research questions that we need the best answer for them uh, into a comprehensive system.
So it has been uh, my pleasure to be an honor to be a part of that. That does it for us this week on Dot Mill Docs. Thanks for downloading the show. We'll return Thursday with our guest, Lieutenant Colonel Donald W. Robinson, M.D. Lieutenant Colonel Robinson is the director of the DOD Patient Safety Program, and he will talk with us about all that that program is and all that it does. Until then, see you on Health.mil. This program is a product of the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs, Military Health System. .mil Docs features the most relevant military health topics important to you and your family. If you have questions or topics you'd like to see on an upcoming episode, send us an email at .mildocs at tma.osd.mil. That's D-O-T-M-I-L-D-O-C-S at tma.osd.mil. Visit health.mil for more episodes.